Welcome to the Grazing Podcast for Robertson Sheetham Farmers Co-op. My name is Clint, and I will be your host as we record live from our beautiful Springfield, Tennessee location inside our podcast studio. Robertson Cheatham is a member-owned farm supply cooperative. You can learn more about us on our website, yourfarmerscoop.com, in addition to our Facebook and Instagram pages. Hello and welcome back to a grazing podcast for Robertson Cheatham Farmers Co-op. Our guest today is a well-respected former coach for Greenbrier and Springfield High Schools. As an offensive coordinator, he helped Springfield win a state championship in 1993 and led Greenbrier to their only state championship appearance in 2004 as head coach. Our guest today is Coach Kirk Williams. Hello, Coach. Hello, Clint. It's it's great to be here. It's great to see you. Like when when you walked in, I swear you have not aged a day since last time I saw you. Well, I have. Trust me. I've I've aged. You don't look it. You don't look it at all. Thank you. Now, we were talking about dates a second ago, how sometimes you're not the best with dates, but 1993, Springfield, is that, does that seem accurate? That's correct. That's correct. In 2004, I know that's accurate because I was fortunate enough to, to be on that that's team right. as, right. a, uh, as a freshman. But it's like I told you the other day when I called you. I've had Coach Elmore come on. I've had Coach Ziegler come on. So I couldn't, I couldn't leave you out. Okay. <laughs> it just made sense to have you on here, you That's know. Great. It's good to be here. Yeah, yeah. So, Coach, I was doing some calculating last night, and I, I don't know how well you remember my graduating class because you coached many, 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 many classes. But um, I realized it's been almost 16 years since my class played for you. And uh, it was a little disturbing to think about because that means I'm 16 years removed from my prime. That's correct. That's great. Time flies by. It's so bizarre to think about 16 years. That just doesn't seem right. (laughs) Well, I tell you, uh, now that I'm retired, I have stepped away from the everyday of just what's next, what's next. Mm -hmm. Uh, You go back and reflect a little bit, and I get thinking. uh, Over a course of 33 years in the coaching, there's thousands of athletes that mm. I've had the opportunity, you know, to, to coach and be a part of. So, yes, yes. Uh, it's, sometimes I forget their names, uh, but usually when someone comes up and if I can hear them speak, I remember that voice. Mm. Uh, you know, people age just like you have and I have, and, you know, we all change a little bit. Sure, so, sure. But if I can hear them come up and, and speak, I, I – the, I definitely remember the cadence that. of their voice and putting that with That's the face. Right. A lot of times, it's, it starts to come back. And even if I can't remember the name of that time, and I'll tell them, "Help me with your name," or I remember their number. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's your coaching standing on side. You remember number sixteen. Uh, you can remember number yes. fifty-four. Yep. Uh, and th- that number will come in, and then I start trying to figure out that name. I agree. I'm, I'm the same way. I can remember people's numbers when the number comes into my brain i can associate with that with them i guess because you know the visual of having that big number on their jersey front and back viewed over hours and hours it just it brings it right back yeah i can i I do the same thing i can remember people's people's numbers but has time kind of slowed down since you've retired where you know you're not it's not constantly 
practice and games and taking care of the field. It's more more laid back. That that part of life is is laid back, but sometimes I wonder how did I get so many things done mm-hmm. with the time that I had, and and it seems like time just flies by now. Mm-hmm. Uh, with with the grandchildren, you know, I'm staying busy following them around, whether they're playing a baseball game or whatever they're doing. I've got a granddaughter that's in gymnastics, and so we stay busy on busy. the go on quite the go. a bit. Well, I, I wanna I wanna talk more talk more about that, but um, Coach, I, I've known you for a while, but you as a as a young man i don't i don't know that much about you prior to to having played for you so i i would love to kind of start there hearing about your younger years because you tell me if i'm wrong but you you grew up in the greenbrier community i did and you went to greenbrier high school yes um can we kind of start there i i would just love to hear about you know you as a young man Growing up, you know, in the in the Williams family, I you know I've come to to know your mom a little bit over the years, and she's a precious lady. But yeah. like your dad, I, I never knew him. Yeah. And I'll talk with you know Justin and Ryan, and they they talk about their granddad, and you know I'd love to know about his influence in your life and sure. what that was like. So we can we kind of just start there and well, sure. see where this goes. Well, let's just start. Let's start in high school. Okay, I think it'd be the uh, best thing to do. The as uh, far as uh, my high school days, I was very typical uh, high school student, uh, not knowing really what direction I wanted to go, where I was going, and all, all those things. So, you know, we all have those questions at that age. So uh, I was very fortunate to have great parents, mother and father, that were always there for us. Uh, you know, we, we weren't rich or anything like that, but... But we we didn't need for for too many things anyway. So uh, as as I was going through high school, I oh I've always loved the sport of football, and I played other sports and things like that. But uh, I I tried to play high school football. I was not a very good player, but I I tried, and uh, we had some very successful years through my high school. Uh, uh, days uh, going back uh, in 1977 to having a good football team. Uh, coach Jerry Pearson was the coach mm-hmm. at that time. Uh, Buddy Corley was an assistant mm-hmm. there. So, and Donnie Jones, and we we had some pretty good football teams. My senior year was sort of a bust. We we weren't uh, very good, and uh, I had a decision. I always wanted to coach, but I also wanted to work. I grew up working on the farm. Uh, uh, you know, that's one thing. I was either at school or football, practice, or working on the farm. Mm-hmm. And my later years in high school, I decided I could probably make a little bit more money if I'd go work at NASCO. So mm-hmm. I wound up doing a lot of different things. And so in the summer months, I would go, uh, my, I think my junior year, I started working at NASCO, punching the clock. So I, I was very fortunate to find out, do I want to do these kind of things or do I want to go ahead and be a coach and mm-hmm. teach teach school? So my junior year, my, my oldest sister, Melanie, wound up having a full academic ride to MTSU. So I knew she was going to college there. 
And but by the time my senior year rolled around, I started working a shift in that my junior to senior class of eight hours on Monday, 16 hours, worked two shifts on Tuesday, Wednesday back to one shift, Thursday two shifts. That told me a lot right there. <laughs> so I decided I'm I'm going to try try college and and uh, so she was having a full ride. I had an opportunity. Uh, Coach Pearson talked to me a little bit about Western Kentucky at that time, was wanting to give me a partial scholarship. Well, at that time, we were running a lot of veer option game, and uh, I had to play a little quarterback my uh, senior year, so they saw me. And But she had a full ride. My young, uh, younger sister, Mitzi, was going to get a full ride going to MTSU again, playing volleyball. So we had one vehicle. Guess where I wound up? MTSU. <laughs> I went to MTSU. And I knew, I knew I was not probably big enough, fast enough to really be successful at that next level. I knew that. And uh, I, I think I made the right choice. I went and all through college, uh, coming out of college, the, uh, I was hired by Buddy Corlew, came right back to Greenbrier, and taught, believe it or not, I was certified in science, but they had a math opening, seventh grade math. I taught first year at the middle school. I was coaching as an assistant football coach at the high school. And the next year, I went straight over to the high school, started teaching sciences, physical science, biology, earth science, whatever whatever needed to be taught at that time. So uh, that's sort of where I got my foot in and started uh, the coaching career. And after that first year, I, I wound up coaching. Uh, I became the head coach of baseball, and I coached baseball for eight years. So as a uh, young man, having a family, coaching baseball and football, I was pretty uh, tied down to the coaching world. That's pretty pretty daunting schedule, it sounds like. So that first year when you started teaching at the middle school, what approximately – we talked about dates earlier. Would that have been – 83. 83, okay. 83. And when you were, you said between your junior and senior year, you were working at uh, NASCO. That's right. Was that located here in town or was that Nashville? Yes. They're actually remodeling it at this present time, the old woolen mill. Oh, yeah. North Main. Yeah, okay. Down at the end of North Main before you cross up Fort Creek. Yes, yes. Uh, All that. Uh, so. So after you. Was that while you were in school you were working those shifts? That's correct. So after you got out of school? Well, it was summertime. Okay. During the summer. I would not. My parents didn't want me working like that. Now, I I worked at some car washes. I've done a little bit of everything. Uh, And still working on the farm. Mm -hmm. So that's one reason I love football, especially when two-a-days came around. I got to go to football practice instead of the tobacco patch. <laughs> Which so. is interesting because back when, when we still had two days, we don't – No. The state doesn't do two days anymore, no more. do they? No more. Um, well, back when we were doing that, you know, that was viewed kind of the opposite where uh, most people you know, dreaded two days. Yeah. But the fact that you looked forward to it because you had real-world experience as far as manual labor – now, that's something you don't hear about very often. No, that's, but, that's interesting. But even when I started coaching, you could tell those kids that were on the farm, they liked two-a-days, too. Mm-hmm. They weren't hanging tobacco that morning in, in the bar, right. you know. So so they they really enjoyed that. And, uh, you know, uh, 
I don't know if there's very many of those uh, uh, players that, that do those things today. You know, there may be a handful, but uh, in this county, it's it's uh, it's 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 more rare, obviously, than it than it ever has been. Now, of course, you get up around across Plains, Orlando, right. Cedar Hill, Adams. It's it's still you still find it up there, but but Greenbrier, uh, the last person I knew that was still growing a crop of tobacco in Greenbrier. Uh, he, I think he got out of it last year or the year before, so it's pretty much non-existent. It's there. non-existent. And of course, the you know the Dorises, they were the ones that had it around around the high school in Greenbrier right. when 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 I was there. But of course, they're not growing it anymore. So, yeah, it's kind of a pastime that uh, it's been lost uh, around the community, which is which is kind of sad in a lot of ways. Yes, it's, you've seen it change a whole whole lot throughout your career, starting out from the time. You retired. A lot of changes, and some of them I don't. I'm sure some of them were for better, but obviously, you know, it, it kind of makes me sad that kids don't get to experience two days anymore. Yeah, because that's I always thought that was kind of a a rite of of passage for young men playing football. Um, it's it it has a way of building character. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a good way for me to to sort of sum it up. Uh, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be hard. And uh, but you're right. I think a lot of things, uh, and I hear maybe some horror stories of places that probably didn't do it just right, and it was almost it's too hard. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, the days where we went through them, you very seldom got a water break. If you got some ice, you were lucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, we figured out that's not the way the human body works. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, we we tried to uh, when you were going through we tried to provide water and those type of things at at the high school is so much different because there's one thing a high school coach does not have the ability to do and that is to control your diet mm-hmm. and diet it plays such a crucial role in in developing uh, an athlete especially if you're working let's say those two a days and things like that some things can go wrong oh absolutely so you have to watch you have to really be careful and watch over over your players and make sure they're they're getting the the right nutrition and things like that well it's it it kind of transition it seemed like because when you were playing uh, I've heard my dad say the same thing he played at good pasture in the 70s when it was a brand new school and he said back then two days would last somewhere around a month. It, it went on for quite a while. And you wouldn't get water until after practice. And by the time practice was over, you you went to what the water source was. There would be fights over the water because, you know, you're so thirsty. That's right. And you didn't want to wait in line, which is understandable. But, you know, when I played, y'all gave us water breaks, shoot, at least every 10, 15 minutes, I want to say. We tried, we tried to schedule it where, where if you're going from one station to the other, why not just go on over to the water and mm-hmm. back into that? So, yeah, it's uh, – and, you know, uh, even how we conducted two-a-days even changed. I tried to change as time changed, and the more we learned about uh, – how to actually do it and not go backwards. That's one thing you didn't want to do is have uh, your players get to a point where they they can't play. Right. And so it's just, there's a fine line there. Right. And, you know, it's it's funny. I think back, it may, it may have been you I heard say this. Um, I don't know if it was – I want to say, was Buddy Corley – was he ever the head coach or was he always an assistant? No, he's head coach. Okay. 
it, like I said, it may have been you, but um, so in the in the locker room, the, the equipment room back there, y'all used to watch film in there. Is that oh, yeah. correct? That's correct. And this would have been back in the seventies when uh, smoking cigarettes was it was more normal than it is today. Oh yeah. And the coaches would be in there smoking cigarettes with the door shut and no ventilation while y'all be watching film. And that always tickled the heck out of me, thinking about that. It was – I was used to firing tobacco, right. you know, the dark fire <laughs> tobacco. So, But it was like we were in the barn trying to break down film, that old 16-millimeter <laughs> projector sitting there clicking. Yeah. And the smoking just hit rolling, rolling. <laughs> you come out, I'd be – my eyes just be watered and – yeah, it was. It That's was good experience. stuff. That's good stuff, man. I, I, that that story always kind of cracked me up hearing about that. Um, so, obviously, growing up as a young man, you didn't know exactly, but having that that experience working, and I'm sure you know your your sisters uh, kind of watching the, the plans that they had, it seemed more enticing to want to follow that path of of maybe teaching and, and coaching. Um, I've always wondered because, you know, the when I think about the Williams family, they've produced a lot of teachers and coaches, and and still do. You know, your your daughter Kat, she's she's yep. been a long time teacher, um, and it just it's like the tradition kind of continues. But did that start with with you and your siblings, or was your your mom or dad were they a teacher or a coach? No, no, my dad, uh, and that's that's one thing that uh, my dad always taught me was good work ethic because my dad worked hard. He worked at, used to be Gates Rubber Company, made tires. And uh, I'd see him, he'd come in from working those, in those shifts where he'd be covered in all the smut and things that, it's a dirty job Mm -hmm. uh, building tires. So uh, he worked there, my mother uh, wound up working and being a school secretary. At Cheatham Park, mm. so uh, but there was uh, really no one in the family that you know were that was really into education, mm-hmm. and I guess Melanie, my oldest sister, was was the first to go that route. But I knew that I wanted to coach, and for me to coach, I I'm I'm going to be a teacher. So mm-hmm. that's that's the reason. That I got my certification in science and athletic coaching. Did when you went to MTSU, did did you do any kind of assistant coaching with the team there? Or? No, actually, I wound up with a, on a work study, and I worked in the uh, human performance lab. So, I got to work with a lot of athletes who'd come in, underwater, weigh them, look at body percent mm. fat, all the scientific, you know, the new uh, uh, science of the day of, mm-hmm. of helping athletes. So. I, w- I was involved with uh, uh, tr- field and track, uh, some of the gymnastics stuff that was going on. So I, I got uh, my foot in at MTSU working with a lot of these athletes. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure that was interesting in the time, too, that kind of nuance, age of ideas and sports medicine being introduced to that. It, it, it was. It was. It's, and MTSU did a, an outstanding job with mm-hmm. that. Uh, some of my fondest memories there was uh, – helping track and field indoors, I can remember two players that came, and I couldn't wait to see them. And I'm standing on the outside lane. Bo Jackson and Herschel Walker came to MTSU and ran the 100-meter. And I got to stand right – and I was thinking the whole time, 
I can't imagine stepping out in front of that and tackling <laughs> that. I mean, they would go by me just um, is unbelievable. So they were at a, a, a track meet at, at MTSU. MTSU. No yes. kidding. Yeah. Were they were they competing against each other in that race when they came? No, by it was it was I think different years, but you know the track and field. I mean they they went all spring long, mm. and uh, and MTSU would host be some. Uh, big big time college oh, athletes coming oh, there. Yeah, you got to go watch them perform. Uh, oh, uh, that was that was big medicine back then. Oh yeah, Bo Jackson, Herschel Walker. Well, Bo, I've always heard Bo Jackson. Now, this was probably like unofficial because they didn't. I don't know if they kept record of it back then. But supposedly, he may or may not have had the fastest forty time ever ever clocked. I, I'm right, not sure. Right. I don't. I don't know. But he was I he blazing he, when he came by you. Yes. <laughs> oh, the thing I of course be as a. A football player, I'm thinking, how does it, how would it feel to step in front of that and try mm. to take that on head on with them running full speed? Mm. And, and that sort of gave me a perspective of, you know, I never got to be on a field like Kelly Ziegler uh, at playing for University of Tennessee and going against those kind of athletes. That's the closest I've ever came to. Just watching one run by me, but I'm, so. I'm sure it left an impression. Like I think I'm, I think I'm going the right route of coaching, so I can stay out of harm's way that's of people exactly like right. that. Exactly. Yeah. No. That's that, that's wild to think about. I, I never knew they came to, to yeah. MTSU to to have a track meet like that. So, so you, you begin your coaching career uh, in in '83, and I never realized you were the baseball coach there mm-hmm. for did you, seven or eight years? Eight did years. you say what was what was that like? Compared to football, I know your passions with football, but did you? Oh, I loved it. I absolutely had a blast. Uh, uh, just organizing practice, uh, uh, first few practices, uh, some of the guys decided that baseball was not for them. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's uh, there was we didn't have anything. I mean, it, I pretty much started from scratch. Uh, I think some uniforms had been bought. So uh, that's about it. Uh, what I was introduced to was taking care of the field. You know, mm. that first year, all the Bermuda grass was out, all in the infield, and a lot of work, a lot of work. But there was a lot of people in the community that, that came up and helped mm-hmm. me, tried to get some things done and get started. And uh, we wound up, and today, and two and out of those eight years, we went so deep into the playoffs, we would have gone to the state championship. Uh, Marshall County beat us. At that time, only four teams went to state championship, where today eight teams go in your in your different divisions. So Marshall County beat us. If we'd have won, we'd have been one of the four teams to mm-hmm. go. So we actually got to do that twice. Kevin Evans and some of those guys were on those teams. Uh, uh, had some had some really good players and bought into the system and we had a lot of fun. Oh, that's that's pretty wild to think about you starting out and not really having anything, you know, some uniforms and having the success of in today's standards, you would have been in the state championship. Yes. That's that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, and and you know, Gulletsville was such a powerhouse mm-hmm. back then, and then of course we were in that same. Uh, they called them districts. We were in the same district. Gulls was always tough to beat them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that so starting at '83, you were at Greenbrier for for seven eight years. 
And after that, is that when you left and went to Springfield I, High School? I was school? actually, I coached 10 years at Greenbrier. Okay. Buddy Corlew, like I said, hired me. Uh, Buddy got out of coaching. He still taught. He got out of coaching, and Steve Sarles became the head coach during that time. I still coached, I coached with Steve. Uh, we had a great time uh, several years there. And then uh, Donnie Jones calls me up and says, hey, I've got a position. He's the head coach at Springfield. And I'd been coaching defense uh, for the most part. So I'm expected to go to Springfield to call their defense. I was going to uh, probably call the 50, 52 defense, and that's what I was used to and what I enjoyed coaching. And so I made that move. You know, uh, making a move like that is difficult. Uh, I love Greenbrier, and I uh, uh, but I think it was the right thing for me at that time in my life uh, to make that move. It needed to change. Uh, you, so I made it. And in that during that time, that summer, Donnie Jones became assistant principal. At that time, I'm thinking, okay, who's going to be the head coach? And I've just accepted a, a job here <clears throat> to call the defense mm. in Springfield. Well, Randy Thomas was on the staff, and Randy became head coach. And we sat and talked and talked and talked. And Randy wanted me to call the offense and him call the defense. So that's what we did. And we got started and had a blast at Springfield. I actually coached there for five years, and then uh, the job came open uh, back at Greenbrier. And that's when I went. I think it was 98. I went back to Greenbrier had a great group of guys to go with me as far as coaches. So, and that's where we started at 98, uh, you know, with, with, uh, Steve Sorrell stayed on, uh, keep it kept him to call defense. At the time he was running the four, three, I said, you run the four, three, you're in charge of the defense. I brought in Kelly Ziegler. Uh, John Elmore came with me from, uh, East Robertson, wanted John uh, with the offensive line. So I had uh, an opportunity to put a good group of men together to go and uh, start coaching there at Greenbrier. Was it, was it strange uh, mentally making the transition from, like you said, defense, uh, then the decision happened with Coach Thomas to where he was going to coach the defense, and then you had to mentally transition to coaching offense? Was that difficult for you? or? It, it, I don't know about difficult because if you coach defense, you've got to understand offense. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love both sides of the ball, but my, my true passion is defense. Uh, I love defense. and But uh, what was difficult for me, I, I was an eye guy. You know, uh, we was going to get in the eye and run at you and things like that. Well, they were running wing tee. I could not justify go down there and change offenses when they had some good players and they were used to. So it was up on me to learn their offense, mm. and uh, that was uh, pretty tough. I can remember pretty tough summer, cramming as much as I could into the wing tee. Now I was not. I, I was familiar with the wing tee because I had been studying it. And we played a lot of teams that ran the wing tee, so. Uh, but the terminology is what, you know, what they call this play and that play. So that was a tough, tough time just learning all that terminology there. But once you became 
comfortable with with the wing tee. That's something that that you became partial to because I know in, in high school that's what we ran was was the that's wing right. tee and we had a lot of success with it. Yes, but that was the offense that was run at Springfield and when y'all won the the state championship with is that is that's that right? correct? Okay, that's correct. Well, the wing tee. A lot of people don't understand the wing tee. Uh, when I look at Greenboro High School, when, especially when I was taking the job after I got involved in the wing tee. I knew that was the offense to take to Greenbrier because if you look around, they had so many players that could be fullbacks in the eye. Mm-hmm. Well, in the wing tee, those fullbacks in the eye become guards. They're, they're play on the line. Mm-hmm. They're athletic. They can move. They can uh, pull and block and do all these type of things. The fullback in the wing tee is really the tailback and the, and the, tailback what we call the tailback the setback is uh he's got a block and and then you love for him to have the speed to run the crossbuck series and things like that so and then you have your wing back it's just a big tight end mm-hmm. so uh i knew you're in and you're out we would have enough fullbacks to play to put in to play guard and still have enough people to uh, play in the backfield. So, it, and I and it, you felt like you could find two tackles. Sure, in, it, in the it, center. It just seemed practical to the personnel that, that you had available. That's it. Yeah, that's okay, it. Okay, that, that I'd much sense. rather run the eye. <clears throat> I think the eye is fascinating offense. It's still, uh, you know, it's sort of moving backwards a little bit today if you look at college football mm-hmm. and the spread offenses and then and high school's gone to the spread offense mm-hmm. so uh but but looking at at the players that you have i i tried to fit what would be best for Greenbrier high school mm-hmm. and i, I want to say maybe it was my senior year we incorporated a little bit of spread in there i'm trying to think what that was, it was yes hawk and eagle maybe is what yeah. we called that yeah uh, th- that, if you if you go back and you really think we didn't run many plays, we ran a lot of sets mm-hmm. and formations. We tried to outflank defenses just with sets and formations, bringing that split in over, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden now that co- that cornerback that's supposed to be man to man or whatever their defense was doing, he's in a different position now. Mm-hmm. So we'd like to try to do things with sets of formations just to make a defense uncomfortable. Right. And and like you mentioned earlier, you know, you, going backwards, um, sometimes that's what it is. It's going backwards, not being able to keep up with the – I've always heard either you get with the times or be left behind. That's right. Which I don't like change, so that's difficult for me. Um, but like you said, everybody runs the spread now. That's all you see is the yeah. spread. Um, I always like the smokestack. Not think. for any particular reason. I just thought it was cool having three backs back there, you yeah. know, or four. Was it three or four counting the quarterback? Well, it's three. Okay. You had your up back, full back, and then your tail back. Yeah. Yeah, I just always thought it sounded cool, smokestack, yeah. you know. But that's, I mean, that's in the past. I, I I don't remember the last time I've seen that. But I'm curious, Coach, comparing the 93 Springfield team to the 2004 Greenbrier team. You know, Springfield, typically they – they have athletes, more so compared to Greenbrier, year in, year out. But when you think about the differences between those teams, does anything 
stand out to you when you think back? I mean, was did one have more just grit than the other or work no, I, ethic? I think or? I think any time you have a team to go that far, there's one thing that both of those teams have, and that that is absolute guts. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the willingness to play and play hard, and uh, I, I I think of both of those teams pretty much the same way. Equals, yeah. Yeah, because because of that one factor. That team at Springfield, uh, we may not do everything right, but it's not because they weren't trying. Mm-hmm. They they actually they, they played for each other. The team at Greenbrier is the same thing. They played for each other. They, they held each other accountable. And uh, I saw the same traits, same characteristics, with with both of those teams, and I and I'll throw some other teams in there that just wasn't quite as athletic or quite as gifted, or it could even be the coach made a mistake, you know, that that kept them from maybe moving even even further. So, mm-hmm. so you know, as you coach over 33 years, you you go back and you think, well, maybe if I'd have called this play, that we don't know that, mm-hmm. and it's easy to second guess yourself. But one thing that I always tried to do, I don't care if we were playing the opening game of the season or we're playing in, in the last game of the season, uh, you prepare yourself. Uh, I, always, I always thought as an offensive coach, there's going to be two or three times in a game that's going to be a play that you have got to call that can make or break that game. And that's either on fourth and one or third and one and and it's time we could we could run the clock out or something like that. So you, I always prepared, and found what is that fourth and one play? What is this defense gonna do? I want to make sure this is the right play. What is another play that we need a play to change what's going on in this game? Mm-hmm. Maybe not a trick play, but a, tr- a play that we don't run a whole lot that might change the momentum, mm-hmm. uh, a field position, whether – and sometimes a punt can do that. So it's not always bad, you know, that's not the worst play in, in football. Sure. A lot of people think it is, but it's not. And if you've got a good punter and those type of things. So there's two or three times in a game that those plays are going to come out, and you better be ready to make that call mm-hmm. at that time. And that's where I say – it's easy to second guess yourself in in certain areas, and we all do that mm-hmm. as humans. But uh, if I go back and I called that play, and that defense was has been doing that consistently, and all of a sudden that defense did not do that, then okay, I, I, I'm okay with that because I've never seen that, mm-hmm. you know. And and but. You know that's that's uh, sort of how I tried to coach. When when you say that, my mind, and I'm not sure if this kind of correlates to what you're saying. My mind goes back to I think this would have been my sophomore year. We went down and played Pearl Cone in Nashville, and uh, they had a really really good team. I think that was that was when Coach Fitzgerald was still there. Yes. I believe one of his last years that he was he was there. And uh, towards the end of the game, we ended up winning the game. It was maybe. Now I may I think I remember this school maybe thirteen to seven something like that uh, low scoring game but towards the end of the game on offense we ran I think it was thirty three belly like 
half a dozen times in a row, yeah. and they couldn't stop it. Yeah, and I think they probably maybe knew it was coming, but I want to say Troy Dill was the full back then. He was, and uh, he was. Um, he kept picking up yards every time, and, and first down, and first down, first down, and that—that's what my mind went back to. You know, the, we, kind of the strategy. We ran. Man. You're right. Thirty-three belly. I think the whole fourth quarter we ran either thirty-three belly. Sometimes we would run 32 belly or buck trap. Mm-hmm. We'd throw some buck trap in there. But what I did, I kept flopping the offense or changing the formation, and we're running the same play. And that's what I, we, I sort of talked about a while ago. We were going to run those plays, but it, when we break the huddle, it don't look like we're going to run that right, play. Right, right. And, and I can still remember Coach Bernetti – he was assistant coach, and he was screaming, they're going to run it, they're going to run it, they're going to run the belly right at you, and here we come, running the belly right at them, you know. And he knew, of course, I'd coached against him for years, and he knew if I ever found something, we, we were just content to let the clock roll out and let's pick up our three or four yards every play, and that's what we did. We were very successful, and that, that was – to me, those type of things, that builds character. That tells you what's your team. That's what I was talking about. There's some teams over the years you just you just know, mm-hmm. hey, they've got it. They 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 enjoy doing this and those type. Of well, things. that was that was an interesting team because that was the year uh, after Greenbrier went to the state championship. So that that special senior class graduated, obviously, and then. Um, the next senior class, I don't know. I think the expectations may have been lower considering what, what the team had lost, but that was when like I mentioned Troy Dill and, you know, Justin Pig and right. uh, Devin Robertson, those guys. And they, shoot, I think we maybe lost two or, two or three games maybe that season. Did very, very well, very well. I want to say. Yeah. Um, but I think back on that game, I was fortunate fortunate enough to, to play that game because our, our starting tackle got hurt. But I remember being in during that last part of the game where it was the same play over and over and over. And I the, bet you it's like, is this coach going to call that play again? Well, the fact <laughs> that they couldn't stop it, it was uh, it, it's kind of kind of fun. Yeah. It's kind of fun to know that they knew it was coming, but they couldn't do anything about it, you know. So that that's what my mind kind of went went back to um, when you were describing that. Was there ever an opposing coach that you coached again, the coach against that you had a hard time with, or you were just you know impressed by their style, or you know struggled to strategize against? Does anybody stand out in your mind? Oh, uh, one coach that that uh, uh, Glenn McAdams, David Lips. Yeah, yeah. We became really good friends over the years. So now, now Glenn, if he was still living, would tell you. I was stupid enough just to keep playing them. But uh, I liked playing uh, his teams because I really felt like he was, he was trying to teach the right things. He did, he did things correct. And I always thought we as a football team could learn something from that because it wasn't going to count against us in, in our region play. They were not in our region. so And I've had so many – people over the years, why do you play these tough opponents that, uh, in other words, you ought to be scheduling some wins. There was, you know, a few seasons I thought, man, I should have scheduled some wins this mm-hmm. year. But it's not always fair 
to that athlete. Mm-hmm. But if you if you're trying to build a program that could be in the hunt to to go deep into the playoffs, you got to play those tape mm-hmm. people. Uh, I, I just personally feel that way. We have to play them and be ready because that's what you're going to see when playoffs roll around. You're going to see those type of teams. And well, and I, I think back to that 2004 team. Uh, we went down there and played Lipscomb, and that's when they had that receiver. I think he was committed to UT. What was his name? Um, Rogers, maybe. Yes, really yes, good it player. Is. Rogers. Uh, and we we the team we we beat them, yep. which was a big deal because it was it was because they they were loaded that mm-hmm. year. They and were. I don't know. Has Greenbrier it'd been a long time since they had beaten them up to that point, I want to oh, say. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was that was a, maybe a second game of the season. And we played that Fort Campbell team, which was a really good team, I, I recall. Yeah, they just came off of winning their uh, class in football. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, some stupid coach there was <laughs> playing state champions out of Kentucky and state champions out of Tennessee. But, but I really believe – those years, it, it built character for mm-hmm. our football team. Oh, absolutely. Because, I mean, well, just the adversity, the mental adversity of it, you know, and you're about to go down and play these good teams, and the fact that uh, it worked out in our favor, yeah. it paid dividends, it sounds like. Um, but it, it certainly did, because, you know, I was, like I said, I was fortunate enough to, to be a part of that. Um, so we talked about a coach. You mentioned Coach McAdams. What about opposing players? Was there ever an opposing player that still stands out in your mind today that was on the op- opposite John team? Henderson. John Henderson uh, played at Pearl Cone. Uh, that was when I was coaching at Springfield. And that was – John probably was the player that changed my perspective as uh, one player can't beat you. He he was a man among boys, and we tried. I decided we would uh, crack back on him, make sure he knew we were, he, we were playing that night. And I'll never forget the wing back, put him in motion, and we were going to run a toss, quick pitch to his side and had him set up and everything. And that poor wing back, Springfield, came back as a coach. I don't think it's – I mean, he hit him. John never even looked at him, stuck his elbow out. The kid went straight into the ground, and John tackled us for a loss. And then, so you got to run away from him, but he still changed the game. I saw him. Uh, it's just remarkable what he what he could do. What was he? Six foot eight, three hundred plus pounds. He was at least six seven. I know. I mean, he was he was very. Uh, he stood out, um, and and John was on a team that had a lot of good players too. They were Pearl Collins, really, really good. I think they had eight players off that one team that went to Division One schools, mm-hmm. and I mean good schools. So, uh, but they were they were very. Uh, I think John Henderson may be one of those players that that far as personally just seeing and what he could do far as playing his position. Mm-hmm. It was, it was pretty amazing. That's interesting. I, I didn't realize that you had uh, coached against him because that would have been 97, 96? Probably either 95 or 96, somewhere. And, of course, then he went on to play at, at UT 
And then in the NFL, I remember there was video. I can't remember who he was playing for in the NFL, but he'd have one of the coaches slap him in the face before the game to to you know get his get his blood pumping, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But he was this just massive human yeah. uh, to behold. So that's that's pretty he cool. Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah, the Jaguars. That's right. I thought you might say Golden Tate. Well, Golden Tate, he's he's way up there with uh, some of the players. Uh, as far as high school players, there are players that in high school did not play like they did in college. And, mm-hmm. that, and I'll give you a, a great example. Uh, I can't even think of his name from Marshall County. Hightower. Uh, Hightower. He's a good, great, don't, don't get me wrong, good player in high school. But he excelled when he went to Alabama. Mm-hmm. And look how long he's been in the NFL. I mean, just made an outstanding career. Yep. But physically – Yes, he had 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 those things. Uh, uh, I think of as far as running backs, I can think of Tremaine Turner from Springfield. Uh, I think if Tremaine would have got just a, maybe a different look from some NFL team, I think he probably would have mm-hmm. uh, made made uh, made a team someplace, and you know had had some some of a career in playing uh, professional football. So yeah, there's there's been players and there's been a lot of players over the years that, uh, and you know in Middle Tennessee now, uh, it was sort of unheard of for players to go and make it big into the NFL. Mm-hmm. You could count them on your hand, you know. But now, uh, Middle Tennessee is becoming a a great place yeah. for people. Uh, Ohio State, Michigan, all these college, big-time football colleges are coming in looking at Middle Tennessee mm-hmm. now. So, uh, you know, you, your typical Oaklands and some of your Murfreesboro schools have uh, just uh, – football is pretty pretty good in Middle Tennessee right now. And that's happened, you know, fairly recently. I don't even know if we, when I played. I, I'm sure it was becoming that way. But like you said, you think about it. Those Rutherford County schools, especially Oakland and Blackman and Siegel, of course they're massive schools. Right. Um, with with the enrollment, but it's kind of a hotbed for recruiting now. It is. It is. Which which is um, you know interesting compared to twenty years back, what it used to be twenty twenty five years. Um, so you retired twenty twenty fifteen around that area twenty fourteen fifteen. Yeah. Uh, did did you ever have an itch to get back in it afterwards? Have you been pretty content? I've been pretty content because, uh, like I said, with the grandchildren, uh, I've always wanted. Uh, uh, you know, when you're when you're younger, you start to get forties, around fifty, you start thinking. You know, I always knew what I wanted to do when I retired. I wanted to. Uh, I love to work with wood, make uh, different pieces of furniture. I love turning on a lathe, turning, making bowls, things like that, painting. I love oil painting. Uh, so the, I've got plenty of hobbies. I love to fish, but I had, guess what? I have not been fishing. <laughs> I haven't had time to go fishing. So, But uh, I, there's plenty of things I, I really keep, keep busy. Uh, I wake up early. I probably wake up earlier now than when I was coaching mm. and everything, get my day started and uh, uh, sort of wind down uh, middle of the afternoon. I, I know you took uh, great pride in caring for, you know, the game field and the practice field. You know, there were plenty of times I saw you out there on that mower 
and you you look very peaceful oh, yeah. out there going back and forth. Did did you miss that part of it? Not not taking care of the the side. No, because you got your own yard, obviously. I, right. Home. There's so many things in 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 uh, my garden of farming and things like that. The little little things that you do to keep you busy doing that kind of stuff. things. It's a little bit too much like work. Mm-hmm. So, it, but uh, uh, I do. I, the parts I miss about uh, teaching and coaching, I miss the interaction with the players, mm-hmm. with the student athlete. That's that's probably the the part I miss practice. Believe it or not, I just I love practice. I tried to make it where we're going to have a two hour practice, and I got to get everything in in those two hours because I have been in pro- football practices where they're four hours, and by the time that third hour rolls around, nobody, no coach, no player, really wants to still be there. Mm-hmm. So I uh, I made a commitment. We're going to do this in two hours. It didn't always work in two hours, but I tried to to formulate a practice where you could get it done in two hours. Mm-hmm. Now that's that's I'm talking about time on the field because there's lifting weights, there's all this other other things that you have to do. But uh, I tried to make it where you weren't you were always busy. Hopefully, two hours went by pretty fast for mm-hmm. you. And if you've ever been in some of those four-hour practices, a lot of people are standing there with their arms crossed, right. and somebody's over talking. So we we need to be working and not talking. So that's what I, I tried to. And you probably can remember those two hours were probably pretty intensive and moved by pretty quick. When you're when you're playing and you're out there, you know, staying busy, not stay, like when you're a freshman. There's more. There's much more standing around. Uh, so that those those practices went by a little bit slower. Sure. Uh, but when when you know you know for example when you're staying busy, how long do you think we've been talking on here? Uh, Forty five minutes. Forty eight. That's okay. Pretty good. Uh, but I, you know I remember them going by pretty pretty dead gum fast. It seemed like Mondays were always the slowest, the shell days. You yes. Know? Yes. Um, uh, but the rest of the time it always it always went very very because quickly. we were talking, you know, on Mondays. <laughs> About the game plan we got put in that yep. week, and that that can that can go by pretty slow. It was much more verbal yep. on Mondays, um, and Tuesday, Wednesday, yeah, they they all went by very very fast. Um, so, Coach, one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on here to talk is because I wanted to be candid with you about my experience of of playing for you, you know, you having you as a coach, because uh, we spent a lot of time together. Sure. Uh, because when I was thinking about it last night. When you begin to tally up the hours spent in the weight room, watching film, practicing, and playing games for four years, it's a lot of time spent together. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is. And I can, I can tell you that in the time that I spent with you over four years, you were one of the more interesting human beings that I've come to know. And I, I truly mean that. And I don't know if you quite know that about yourself because you're, you're more of a, a, a humble person but um you know i want to make sure that 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 you know that um one of the things that i don't know if you know about maybe you do know this about yourself but there were a lot of players myself included that found you very intimidating did did you know that no really you never had the inkling that, that my players are a little bit spooked by me 
Well, th- there may be a reason they needed to be. I don't know. No. <laughs> maybe maybe not, as you put it, spooked. Uh, uh... When you entered a room, we, we knew it. We had a very healthy respect for oh, you. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, you know, what? like Coach Ziegler, for example – we were all intimidated by Coach Ziegler, but you knew what you were getting with him. Yeah. You knew what the expectation was. With you, it was different because we could never get a bead on you. Okay. As far as where you, you stood, um, you know, if something – if you were going to uh, compliment a player or, or uh, you know, do the opposite, be a little bit more more critical, you know. But you, you just – we could not figure out where you stood a lot of times. Well, so that's good. It, it was, and it kept us honest. Okay, okay. But there was a lot of mystery surrounding you okay. uh, in in the time that you know that I played for you. That was kind of that was uh, what I thought about it. I'm sure there's a lot of players that would probably uh, agree with that. But you know, for example, you know what I dreaded more than anything besides Max days in the weight room, film. Yeah, I dreaded it. Because I would make them, I'll be honest with you, I would make a, I could play a decent game and then make one royal mistake in the game, and then I'd be thinking about it all weekend. And oh, no, I'd, I'd dread getting in there. Because I think uh, prior to my senior year, we still had VHS tapes. Like, y'all would go meet yeah. the opposing coach and, you know, trade VCR tapes, which is bizarre to think about. But I think my senior year, we actually had an overhead projector, I want to say. But we'd all be in there. And that was very time consuming. That very was time that was consuming. slow, it seemed like when I when I think back on it. But um you'd have the remote, you'd be sitting front and center, and uh, you know, you would rewind, pause a play. You'd we'd spend quite a bit of time on on each play. And that's sure. what you had to do, obviously. And uh you would name out, you know, certain players. And uh, you know, I'll never forget, like if I if there was a play and you paused it, when you got to me, you'd say, Clint. <laughs> and you just addressed me by name. And there would be a pause for three or four seconds where I would just, I would feel so anxious. I'm thinking, what is he going to say? I, I don't think I screwed up on that play too bad, but maybe I did. And I would just be sitting there. And uh, you, I had no idea which way it was going to go. And when it went, Clint, did a good job there. Oh, it was, that was a. That was a wonderful thing. Yeah. It would fill me with so much confidence that I could get through the rest of the month, you know? But if it went the other way, of course, you know, that's part of it. You Players need to be criticized for the mistakes that they made. And, um, you know, something – one of the things that I always uh, respected about you was when when you criticized players, you never did it in a demeaning way or a disrespectful way. I, um, I took it – is very personal and loving and just wanting to get the best out of them. Well, that's to me, that's why you watch film. Mm-hmm. You, and most players want to do things right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have coached some that I felt like they didn't care if they did it right or not, you know. But for the most part, uh, everybody wants to do it right, and film doesn't lie. Mm-hmm. Whether they – yeah, because, like you say, you didn't know why I was going to say, well, if, what if I didn't watch film? What if we didn't watch film and I'm trying to tell you you need to do this, but you couldn't see it? Right. So that's that's one reason we spent the time on film, and it is a great teaching tool, not only for you, 
But for that freshman that's mm-hmm. trying to learn your position, and I say, Clint, I'm really talking as much to him mm-hmm. and everybody else that plays tackle. Watch this. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a, it's a learning experience yeah, across the board for, for everybody. For, for so many. For so many. Yeah. You know, I, I know exactly exactly what you're saying. Because it, it puts a visual with it. If you tell me that you did this in the, the, the game wrong, well, I can't see it. I'm just kind of guessing about what you're saying. But if I can visually see what yeah. I did, it's telling the truth. You can't, you can't make it up. Um, you know, you're either guilty or not guilty at that, at that that's, point. That's pretty neat that you said. And you, you think about things like film, film study. You know, it's uh, – even after all these years. You know, oh yeah, oh it's, yeah, it's no, amazing. Never, never, never forgotten it for sure. It, uh, you know, but but in addition to being intimidating, you also had a, a comedic side to you that I don't know if you're aware of. Well, <laughs> uh, I don't know about that, but uh, you're you're modest to the point where I don't know if you take inventory of these these positive qualities that you have. Um, <laughs> You know, let me give you an example. So I remember I was a freshman, and that was when we played David Lipscomb. I want to say it was, I think it was Dustin Cole and Daniel Pride. I think he sacked the quarterback one time, and he got up and kind of did this little. He was celebrating the celebrating. Little bit. Okay, he was kind of jumping up and down, and you paused it. <laughs> and you know, there's always this, like I said, three or four seconds of silence where everybody's wondering what you're going to say. And you said, I think you said something to the effect of Cole. Is there an earthworm down there you're stepping over? <laughs> and that always that tickled the fire out of me, you know, because it was just it was kind of off the wall. You could have said, hey, we don't do that, or you know, that's that's unacceptable, but you correlated it with an earthworm, and I thought it was hilarious. I've never forgotten it. Uh you did the same thing with, with Ricky Parrish one time. He sacked the quarterback. We played DeKalb County, and he got up and kind of like bowed up over him a little uh-huh. bit. You said, Ricky, are you about to throw up on him? <laughs> I got tickled in the film room, and it still tickles me. Oh, oh God. Oh, I, it, it would crack me up. But um, there was another – now, I wasn't present for this. I was I was told about it. But it's h- hilarious the way they tell it. So, you know, Ricky Parrish and Adam Hopper, I think they were in the training room, in the, the gymnasium in there after practice. They were getting – putting ice on something or, or something. But I think they were sitting on the training tables. And there was another player, I don't know who it was – as they were walking out, kind of played a prank on them. As they were walking out, they cut the lights off and shut the door. So them two were just sitting there in a dark room. And he, he said, uh, probably within, you know, five, six seconds, the door opens. And the light comes on, and it's Coach Williams. <laughs> he just, he doesn't say a word. He just stares at us, stone-faced, for three or four seconds, doesn't say anything, and then shuts the light, the cuts the lights off and shuts the door. <laughs> It just left them exactly left like it. you found them. Oh, and uh, Ricky tells that story now, and I just, oh, I get tickled about that because that's that's good humor yeah. to me, yeah. you know? But it's uh, it's kind of, it's more of a dry type of humor, which I find hilarious. Well, I can I can say is you're, you're sort of going back and telling some different stories. I'll have players to come and say, Coach, do you remember? Do you remember this that happened? Of course, I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, don't remember – they said that was, uh, it, and I'm finding out things now that you know some some things that took place that I never knew and mm. all that kind of stuff. So it some of it's pretty funny and some of it's not too funny. So well, you know it. Of course, there's there's a, a time and place for 
seriousness no matter what you do, whether it's athletics or a job. But you all, there also needs to be a place for some comedic reprieve. It has to be. Yes. To be. And you did a very excellent job of balancing that because it makes you relatable. To the players, yeah. you know, because there was a lot of mystery surrounding you. Like we, we can't figure out where he, what his, what where he lies on this. But when he does those little things like that, it it brings it back down to earth, yeah. you know. And that that always stuck out, stuck out in my mind. Um, but addition to to those two things, coach, you know, uh, when when I think back on having you as a coach, what really stands out to me is your your character and integrity. Um, there's there's a lot of great coaches out there, but times have changed from the time I played under you until now, and there's sure. still wonderful coaches out there. But there's some coaches that don't I don't believe have any business mentoring young men um, as far as a role model perspective because these 16, 17-year-old kids, their, their personalities are very malleable. Sure. It can be shaped very easy, and I've I've been around some people that that uh, have access to these these kids, and I wouldn't want my children being coached by them. But I consider myself, and I'm sure a lot of other players would agree with me, that you were a wonderful model for for young men back then, as far as high character and integrity, and uh, it meant a tremendous amount. It was very impactful, and I'm sure you know that as a teacher and coach. Um, but that's you know that's something that I wanted to share with you. Um, I always felt like you were sincere in well, everything that you did. Well, Clint, that's that's mighty nice for you to say that. Uh, I appreciate that, but uh, I, I really and truly I just enjoyed being around you guys. A lot of times, there's a fine line between the coach and the player, mm-hmm. and I always tried to keep that line where I didn't cross over mm-hmm. that. But I did love you. I did care for every one of you, and I still look at, see players today. Uh, it makes me so proud to see so many guys going on and being successful mm-hmm. and raising families and th- things like that. And I hope, uh, my prayer was that I could instill in them through this game of football that there's going to be hard times, there's going to be fun times, great times. But understand, it's sort of like the game of life. There's always going to be uh, some things that happen that hopefully this game helps you get an upper edge on, on the game of mm-hmm. life. So, and, and I hope that continues for today's players, mm-hmm. for coaches to, to instill those type of things because the game of football is, is the great, to me, is the greatest sport in high school that people can – young men can take it and if it's done right can learn so much things about the game of life oh absolutely so that's what that was my main objective that's the reason I wanted to coach I want to win don't get me wrong if we're playing I don't care who we're playing I want to win but uh it's not wrong to say winning is not everything it's 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 how you play the game Mm -hmm. And and I hope I came across as a coach that it is how you play the game and how hard you go about something and, and achieving because if you keep at it, you'll be successful. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm 
I'm glad that you brought that up because I did. I wanted to mention to you there were a couple times specifically. So my sophomore year, we were playing DeKalb County, okay, and that was during the week of Hurricane Katrina. Yeah, <clears throat> it was kind of a bizarre week because we didn't really watch any field. They weren't they weren't a great team. Uh, we didn't really we didn't commit that much time to them. Um, cause they had, a, they struggled that year, but I'll never forget it. And this may seem very trivial and simple, but it was very impactful to me because I would have been 15, 15 years old at the time. You took a moment in the locker room to come in and, uh, you didn't talk about football. You, it, it was everything but football, but I, I recall you saying, cause it, it was impactful to me in the moment. Uh, you said, you know, Guys, the most you need to have a list in your life of the things that, that are the most important. And number one should be, you know, your your faith. Number one, um, you know, your relationship with the Lord. Two should be your family. Three should be school, athletics, what have you. Right. And I, I, as a fifteen year old, it, that jumped out at me. And I never, for, I never forgot that because I was confused by it when you said it. Uh, because I, I thought, you know, on paper, yeah, I guess I'll mark if if it's a, if it, if something's asking me my religion, I'll mark Christianity beside of it. But I can't put Christianity before my family because that's what's most important. That's what I was thinking as a fifteen-year-old, right. and it all it confused me to the point where I pondered on that for years and years after you said it. And then as I, you know, progressed into my my twenties uh, and and matured more in my faith, it. I realized what you were saying, and it took yeah. probably 10 years for it to compute with me, but it was very impactful for me, the fact that you came in and said, you didn't have to say that, but you right. did, and it gave me something to think about for a long time, even after I graduated. Uh, so that, that meant a lot to me. And um, another another instance I wanted to uh, tell you about was, so my senior year, we had just started two days. We had a morning practice. And uh, I had some some personal stuff going on, and I had to approach you and tell you that I was going to miss the afternoon practice. And I was horribly uncomfortable, you know, having to, one, to miss practice to begin with, but, yeah. you know, two, to, to share with you uh, uh, the reasons for why I was going to miss it. And with without missing a beat, you looked at me and said, Clint, there's some things much more important than football. And, you know, this is one of them, and you, you need to do what you need to do. Sure. And you weren't the, – the, the cadence of how humans say things are, you know, mean more than the words. And uh, you were always very sincere in those moments. And uh, it, I felt, I felt cared for by you yeah. in that moment as a seventeen-year-old kid. And I've never forgotten it. Well, I appreciate it. And uh, appreciate it. yeah, it just, uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm very myself. And, and again. Majority of other players would agree with me that uh, we were very fortunate to have you as a coach. Well, thank you for saying that. But I was very fortunate to have guys like you as as uh, coming through at the time while I was there as coach. So mm-hmm. it, it works both ways. And and uh, Clint, I've been so blessed over the years. Just like I was talking about the guys that help coach. And because uh, if they were coaching, I, I wanted them to coach. I wanted them to be part of it. And whatever they coached, uh, I tried to – I mean, we were going to do certain things and the way I wanted it to be done, but at the same time, that coach is going to – that's his guys. 
that offensive line coach, he got to get those offensive mm -hmm. players going or whoever's calling the defense and things like that. So I tried to instill that in, into coaches and, you know, and into players to take responsibility for yourself. Well, that's like mm -hmm. a film session stuff. And whether it's uh, calling your name out and pause in a second, <laughs> it wasn't probably about Clint. It was about everybody else in the room, please look at this. You know, it's 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 the little things like that over the years, and and like I said, I have guys come up to me, and uh, like I said, sometimes I may not remember a name, but as soon as they talk, I remember. And if I have flashbacks of those years, you know, and but I've been I've been truly blessed with with family, uh, uh, growing up, having a mother and father that instilled the right things in me, having coaches uh, myself. Coach Jerry Pearson, Buddy Corlew, and those those guys that uh, I played for, and uh, the guys that I have worked with, Steve Sorrells and uh, Kelly Ziegler, John Elmore, all, all the uh, uh, Coach Estes, Robert, all these different coaches, Stetson Dickerson. I think of the young ones now. Mm -hmm. I call them young ones. They're getting older, and they, they're in the <laughs> coaching profession. You know, Dustin. Uh, Wilson here at Springfield uh, had the ability to coach Dustin. So I've got a lot of guys that I've spent a lot of time with over the years. Like the time that you and I spent, those four years when you came through, I did that with so many, mm. so many athletes. And, and a lot of them are in the coaching profession right now. Mm. So it's always fun to go watch some of their, their teams play. Oh, yeah, things. yeah. You know, you're coaching the coaching tree that you're a part of. It really branches out in a lot of a lot of opposite directions. It was when Coach Ziegler, we had him on here, you know, he was – that's one thing I recall him saying was um, – uh, the thing about Coach Williams was he never he never micromanaged us as coaches. You know, we had our positions that we coached, and he just – he let us be. Yeah. And he was bragging on us. Well, I had that. confidence. I, before I asked him to be part of this, I knew they – I knew the, the character of, mm -hmm. of, of, of them, and I knew I wanted them to be around you guys. So mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's – uh it's pretty neat to set and, and rem uh, oh, remember. Oh yeah, things. it it uh, it's fun to look back like on team pictures and see you know the coaching staff together and then you know I look at it now and co of course you know Coach Elmore, Coach Sweeney, but I don't know anybody else and it's kind of sad. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. That that air, you know, time time moves on. Yes, yes, it does. Yes, it does. So this may be the most important question I ask you, Coach, before we conclude. Conclude, but I know uh, you know you're the, the painting. And by the way. Uh, Justin, he Grogan, he showed me the something you painted for them. Uh, it was like a creek, creek kind. Of, it was beautiful, back of the house. beautiful. I didn't know that you were, were the artist that you are. Well, I, I'm not that great, but I enjoy doing it. It, enjoy doing it, it looks pretty pretty professional. But uh, you know, you you got several things keeping you busy. You've got eight grandchildren. Eight grandchildren. You said so. That kind of leads me in my next question. So, um. I played with, in my class, uh, uh, Brian May, one of my friends. Uh, our freshman year, we were doing something on the field. I think we were maybe mashing down divots, but there was a rock on the field. And he ended up tossing the rock off the field, and it may have been by accident, but it ended up hitting another player in the head and busting their head open. And uh, it was pretty pretty frightening at the time, uh, but it all turned out okay. But did you ever have a thought to come into your head that, this young man is going to sire four of my grandchildren. This no. is going to be my son-in-law. No, I can answer that real quick. No, <laughs> but 
but let me let me say, Brian is is a. I'm so blessed to have him as a son-in-law. He he is he is a very neat individual. Yes, he, he is. He takes care of Cat, my daughter, and he takes care of those grandchildren. He lo- he loves his grandchildren. He. Uh, He's one of the quickest guys that I know mentally. He's I mean, sharp. He's, he's, he is he's sharp. very, very quick. And, you know, of course, we're, we're still close friends. And I know he's probably going to listen to this, so I wanted to add and that probably, little. He probably don't, still don't know what to think about me. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, too. Well, you know, it. Uh, of course, I ran into him. Him and Kat, I think they were on a field trip at Honeysuckle Hill out there, and that's when the, the, the twins they just had, you know, they weren't very old at all, but they're they're doing a wonderful job, and, you know, it. Um, you know, y'all are very blessed. We're very blessed. Very blessed as a we family. We really are. We really are. But, uh, Coach, I, shoot, we've been going for, I know, well over an hour and 11 minutes at this well, point. Well, we'll have, we'll have to do a part two sometime. That'd be fantastic. Okay. Maybe we can get uh, – Try to get all the old coaches together. Would that not be hilarious? It'd be a lot of fun. It'd be a lot of fun. I guess we could tell stories I don't even know yet. So, but like I said, it's easy to forget a lot of that stuff that went on back then. So when you kind of be reminded of it, it's it's a lot of fun. But uh, coach, again, thank you for everything. We were all very fortunate and blessed to have you as a coach. And um, you know, I look back on it with with very fond memories. Really do. That's great. It's Um, it's great to be here, Clint. So thanks again for coming on and doing this. And uh, y'all, I think that's going to wrap us up for this episode. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Grazing Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, leave us a review, and come pay us a visit at Robertson Cheatham Farmers Co-op.